0: ABC Listen, podcasts, radio, news, music and more.
1: A crowded bus with nowhere to sit, a tram that's too full to stop, a taxi driver that goes the long way just to make an extra buck – We've probably all experienced a less than desirable ride on public transport, but for people with a disability, every day can be an absolute horror show. Today we bring you an ABC investigation into how millions of Australians are being let down by our public transport networks. And we'll hear how nothing's been done as laws are continually broken. I'm Sam Hawley on Gadigal Land in Sydney. This is ABC News Daily.
0: I'm Naz Campanella. I am the ABC's National Disability Affairs Reporter and I am totally blind.
2: And I'm Evan Young. I'm a producer with the ABC's Specialist Reporting Team.
1: Naz, I want to start with you because I really want you to talk me through what it's like getting around Sydney on any given day for you.
0: Yeah, look, I've had a whole gamut of experiences being a woman who is blind, particularly on buses, for example, being dropped off at the wrong bus stop a long way away from where I was supposed to be dropped off. And, you know, that means getting off, number one, figuring out where you are, number two, trying to find a nice stranger to help you to get to to somewhere so that you can work out how to get back to, say, your office or wherever you're trying to get to. I've had situations where taxi drivers are uh, taking me on a trip that I do regularly and I therefore know sort of the vague price of the trip and sometimes I've arrived at my destination and I have found that they have inflated mm. the price and you end up having an argument with them, which is really intimidating and, mm. shouldn't, you know, shouldn't happen. And then there's the situations where the well-meaning public are trying to help but really don't understand that, for example, picking my white cane up off the ground when I'm trying to feel the gap between the platform and the train, mm. um, you know, they pick it up off the ground and that means that I could have quite a bad accident. Mm. And they're trying to help, but it's
1: it's the total opposite. Mm, so getting from A to B can be really difficult. What about you, Evan? What have you come across?
2: So I have um, a condition called myalgic encephalomyelitis, which is uh, often called chronic fatigue syndrome. Mm-hmm. It's... More debilitating than people realize, and it's also invisible. So that means that I don't get treated like a person with a disability on transport by strangers. Mm -hmm. I get treated like someone who's trying to lie and cheat my way into someone else's seat. Mm. And, you know, after people swear at you enough or refuse to get up, you kind of just stop asking for that help, even though it could be the difference between me eventually ending up in a crash that means I have to spend a week in bed Mm. or not. So when we undertook this project, it didn't surprise me how many transport Mm. stories we were getting sent into us. What, What did surprise me was the scale.
1: Naz, I want you to take me to Canberra and tell me about Scott Grimley.
0: So Scott Grimley is a man who is blind and he got his guide dog Dudley several years ago because he wanted that level of independence that a guide dog gave him.
2: He gives me the freedom of just being able to get around and just find what I need where a cane I have to stop and ask people for directions or go into a shop and ask what sort of shop it is. Dudley just gives me that freedom and independence where I don't have to rely on
3: others.
0: But he has found that in recent years it's sort of been anything but. So he was refused an Uber trip 19 times in 12 months and four of those trips happened in the space of 30 minutes when he was on his way to speak at an accessibility event. Mm. So the irony of that should really just sink in for a moment. Um.
2: Being left behind on the side of the road when you think you're going to get a ride, you start feeling a bit dejected and a bit excluded from society. And you start thinking, why am I even bothering? You know, why did I get my guide dog to give me this independence if Uber drivers and other point to point services are refusing to pick us up or, you know, take us to where we need to go? When
0: you go and now, program- he says that he always tells people uh, on the app when he's making the booking about you know, himself, he's blind, and that he has a guide dog. And it is illegal for uh, people to refuse the, the guide dogs in in the cars. Mm-hmm. And he says that for some of those occasions he's had a, a conversation, a pretty fiery conversation generally, with drivers who don't want to take the guide dogs in the cars, but usually he can just on the street, he will hear a car approach and then quickly reverse, and then he'll notice on the app oh that the fare is rejected. He can only surmise that it is because the dogs are thought to to be shedding fur onto the the car. And you know, I guess he put it really simply: if drivers are happy to take a drunk on a Saturday night, mm-hmm. why aren't they then okay to take a guide dog who is fully trained any other time? And it's illegal more than anything. So he wants more education for the drivers about the fact that it is illegal and also the training that the guide dogs undergo.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, it's illegal. It's serious discrimination. It's amazing that they can get away with that.
0: I think in this situation he also says, you know, while it's only 19 drivers in a big place like Canberra where there's, you know, thousands of drivers mm. and and across all point-to-point kind of rideshare services, But he also says it's really those 19 have affected him so badly. They've made him late. They've made him stressed. They've made him panic. Mm. They've also made him question, does he want to take Dudley out? Are there occasions where he has to consider leaving Dudley at home? Mm. Which when you get a guide dog, which takes a long time, a long time for assessments, a long time to train with them, and the purpose is to get them for independence, you shouldn't have to leave them at home. Yeah, exactly.
1: Now take me to Brisbane because you also spoke to another blind man there, Santiago, who's also finding it incredibly difficult to get from A to B.
0: Yeah, look, Santiago Velasquez is an electrical engineer, and as you say, he's blind. He actually had quite a lot of similar stories to tell to me. So the dropping off at the wrong spot and the the, the getting lost and the being you know arriving late.
3: I've been left behind. My guide dogs' paws have been burnt in the concrete because of that and I've been dropped off in a place where it took me 3 hours to get back home because it was 11 p.m. at night and I needed to walk about 40 minutes to the next bus stop.
0: One of the most frustrating instances for him though was when a bus driver failed to stop for him and he was late to an exam at university and that meant that he had to then repeat that unit and then sit that exam about six months later. And he described feeling so angry and feeling like his life had really been taken out of his
3: control. We want to work, we want to do and participate in the community as everybody else, but we just don't have the ability to do so. And public transport has absolutely failed.
1: The amazing thing about him... Naz, is he's really taking matters into his own hands. He really is.
0: He's used his expertise as an electrical engineer and and in that space and contacts and also his experience to say, you know what, I'm not waiting for, for uh, transport companies, et cetera, to, to put in the technology. I'm going to make it myself. So he's designed an app called Halo. And Halo essentially is an app where you can send a, a message to a, a bus or train driver, al- alert them to your pick-up location, your drop-off location, and any support requirements you might have, for example, if you need the bus to be lowered or if you need a ramp.
3: I decided to take matters into my own hands precisely because I was just tired. I I don't want to have to think about public transport because you shouldn't have to. You should know where you want to go and that's it.
0: Now, it's obviously an app that he's, you know, in talks about trialling the technology, Mm -hmm. but you know, it'll be really interesting to see where that goes because it's, it's obviously something that he knows would be so handy for not only himself but for so many other
3: people. People keep saying, it's fine, look at the ramp we installed here or look at the pretty lights we put there. That's very accessible. And when it comes down to it, it hasn't made a single difference.
1: great that he's sort of working to make things easier or you know trying to improve the situation but surely Evan this is actually a matter for governments they can't just allow this sort of treatment to happen right?
2: Yeah I mean that's what a lot of the people we spoke to said was that yeah it is great that people with disability are taking matters into their own hands but they're only doing that because they feel like they have to because Mm. there's been so much inaction from their point of view. So in Australia, we have public transport accessibility standards, um, and that's national legislation that is set for the states and territories to follow. Obviously, the states and territories are responsible for transport. Those standards have just undergone a review. That review is now with ministers. There's also a white paper into the aviation sector going on at the moment, and There's a lot of complaints that relate to transport that relate to the Disability Discrimination Act, which the Royal Commission last year said should be strengthened. Now the federal government is also considering how it will respond to that at the moment. Mm -hmm. So it's probably fair to say that the ball is firmly in the government's court.
1: Mm, So they need to take action. What about firms like Uber and taxi firms and other transport companies, what are they saying about this?
2: Yeah. So alongside all the stories that we've kind of gathered, we've obviously reached out to all the different companies. Uber, for example, said that the stress of being refused a ride because of a service animal wasn't something that they took lightly. Uh, They said that they offer their drivers ongoing education about the legal obligations around service animals. And More broadly, from a national point of view, the federal government says, look, there has been improvement and a great deal of investment in accessibility upgrades in recent years. Mm -hmm. However, that's not happening at the same pace across all forms of transport or across all areas of Australia, particularly regional and rural areas. And so, yeah, it acknowledges that there are still plenty of issues to iron out and that it's going to listen to people with disability going forward.
1: Yeah well let's hope so and as you've said you know hundreds of people contacted you with serious concerns about how they're being treated on public transport so there are rules but some people are ignoring them so what needs to happen now to fix this problem?
2: Yeah so what's the point of having any of these rules if they're not enforced mm. and so that's what um, as a kind of base level a lot of advocates want. They want the standards, the laws, the things that already exist that are supposed to be keeping all of this stuff from happening from people with disability to be strengthened and in some cases simply enforced. With all that considered and all of the stuff currently before governments, there kind of is, or at least I got a bit of a feeling that we could actually be at something of a critical juncture right now for change and making sure Potentially, that the next generation of Australians with disability don't have to put up with the stuff that the current generation is putting up with when it comes to transport. And that's an estimated 4.4 million Australians.
0: I think. It's really important to note there that while Evans said there are 4.4 million Australians living with disability and I think you'd be really hard-pressed to find a single one that doesn't have a transport horror story to share. And as we've heard here, people with disability are the ones at the moment kind of doing that heavy lifting. So really the the government has... An opportunity here to kind of, you know, take some of these technologies and and really take some of the advice that's been given to them from people who have had these experiences and, and do something with them.
1: Naz Campanella is the ABC's National Disability Affairs Reporter and Evan Young works for the ABC's Specialist Reporting Team. This episode was produced by Bridget Fitzgerald with audio production by Sam Dunn. Our supervising producer is David Cody. I'm Sam Hawley. To get in touch with the team, please email us on ABC News Daily at abc.net.au. Thanks for listening.